And when I was taking her through the deck, three pages into it, she goes, "You know, Sunny, I have more knowledge under my big toenail than you do in the brain of yours." What? <laughs> oh, hey, thanks, boss. Oh my gosh! So when I heard that, I was like, "Oh!" But that's when I started pondering about, okay, what is good leadership? Welcome to Ununinformed. I'm Sean Seaver. Ununinformed helps you in being connected to the world around you, so you don't feel dumb around your smart friends. Today, we're talking about how to have an extremely successful company. We all know about companies that do well and some that don't do well, but then there are those companies that really kick butt at what they're doing. They they implement radical innovation. There's a science behind all of this. Joining me today is Dr. Sunny Giles, who has dedicated her research to this science. In fact, her new book is called "The New Science of Radical Innovation." I first learned about this new science of radical innovation when I shared the stage with Dr. Sunny Giles at TEDx Salt Lake City. I'm now honored to have her on the show as she releases her new book, which is coming out tomorrow, April 10th. Dr. Sunny Giles, welcome to Un- Uninformed. Thank you for having me. So, what led you to dedicating your research to radical innovation? Like, what's your background? How did you get to this place? So, I was working for this one Fortune 500 company, and I was a pretty high-level person. And I was three weeks into my job. Yeah. And my boss's boss basically asked me to develop a global brand strategy for the product that I was working on. And so I. Got a team of us working together on it, and she was working at a different location than we we were. So we sat around the conference table, five of us, and and I took I sent the deck to her earlier. So we, I was taking her through that, and she was had she had gorgeous blonde hair all the way down to her waist, yeah. and she would commute to work. She come to work in her black leather jacket. And leather pants on her Harley Davidson. Okay. And she says、so、she was really, really smart, and she has a PhD in biomedical engineering or of some sort or something like that. Yeah. And so, when I was taking her through the deck, three pages into it, she goes, "You know, Sunny, I have more knowledge under my big toenail than you do in the brain of yours." <laughs> What? Oh, <laughs> hey, thanks, boss. Oh my gosh! So when <laughs> I heard that, I was like, "Oh!" And okay, she, that's really helpful. Thanks.、Uh, so I know so my tears started coming down involuntarily <laughs> from my face, and、sure. I was not a I was not a like you know entry level position. I had my MBA already, and and I was it was a pretty high level position, and to have somebody talk to me like that, wow, I was not prepared for that, and I just、no. and I was like, oh my gosh, and then this guy that was sitting next to me hurriedly you know pushed the mute button and he said. Oh, I forgot to warn you. That's her standard line. She says that to everybody, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> wow, that that's rough.、Uh, I, I'm trying to imagine that happening at my work right now. I'd be, I'd probably quit. <laughs> well, so I was that. That's when I said, okay, I don't understand this. How could he talk to somebody that way and then still get away with that?、Yeah. And two weeks later, she came to our site with her. Assistant, 
And I had a chance to sit down with the assistant for, for lunch. And I started talking to her and she says, you know, I've never seen so many grown men walking into somebody's office and coming out crying. And I knew at that point I was not not an isolated case. <laughs> so that's a little comforting. It doesn't yeah. make it any better. It doesn't make it okay. No. But that's when I started pondering about, okay, what is good leadership? Why is it that this person, and this is not a mom and pop shop. This is a big company. It's a Fortune, Fortune 500, 500 company. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't understand. How can she get away with stuff, doing stuff like this? And what I found out later on is that after I left, she left the company for another company, and it had a vastly different culture. And at the seventh month, she got fired from that company. So, and you're probably pretty happy about that. <laughs> I'm not going to answer the question. Um, okay, so that, and so then you decided to dedicate your life to what makes a company good, right? Yeah. The, what What is good leadership? I mean, so I, that's when I started studying what is leadership? What does that mean to lead people? Yeah. And the, what I found out from, from my colleagues at that time was that she was untouchable because she was delivering results. But at what cost? Her organization was suffering and they she was just ruling with the iron fist, but she was delivering short-term results. That's why they couldn't fire her. Wow. And that's when I said, okay, is leadership all about delivering results? And what happens and where is the accountability about managing, you know, managing the team? And that's when I actually got earnest about studying the discipline of leadership. And, and so you uh, started studying, I guess. I yeah, studied. I went back to school to get my PhD. Okay. And so my PhD, interestingly, it's not in organizational behavior. It's actually in marriage and family therapy. And somebody okay. could say, well, how, what does that have to do with, with companies? The biggest difference between marriage and family therapy and psychology is that marriage and family therapy is it's, it's, it's systemic, meaning I look at people as part of a system. Versus yeah. intrapsychic, meaning I look at you and say, okay, what's going on with you? Let's try some interventions to help you with depression and anxiety. That's your intrapsychic. But when you put that person back into the system from which that person come, uh, comes, they, the system itself actually resists because the system wants to maintain homeostasis. And so whatever change that you're making at the individual level is going to be limited. And that is the difference between people working at people and looking at people as individuals versus part of a system and or, an organization is just another system and that the the, uh, the dynamics uh, that apply to a system applies to families as well as organizations so somehow this all leads to you discovering this i guess new science as mm -hmm. your book calls it Correct. of radical innovation mm -hmm. so just give me the download of what that actually means okay so what my research found is that when people don't feel safe and when they don't feel connected as a team or as a, as part of the system then they cannot access the part of the brain that unleashes learning which is the stuff that radical innovation is made up of so what makes people not creative <laughs> okay so if there are limitations right so when so our brain has three layers evolutionarily the, at the very bottom of our brain is a reptilian brain, which is what we have in common with reptiles. And oh, this is all about... I didn't know about that, actually. <laughs> this is all about safety and survival. Yeah. And that will trump the messages from any, part, any other parts of the brain. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and then, so next layer up, meaning more evolved than the reptilian brain, is the limbic system. And that's, that's in the middle of our brain, basically. And it's all about connection. Oh, okay. And, and that's the part of the brain that we have in common with mammals. And that's why when you take care of your pets who are mammals, they come up and rub against you, they bark at you, then yeah. they and they wave their t- I mean they wag their tails and things like that. Right. Because they are attached to you because they have a limbic system. But even if you do the same thing to take care of your pets, if they're snakes and turtles, they don't do that because they're missing this limbic system. Okay. They're reptiles. Right. So that's the limbic system means that having a limbic system means that you and I will feel connected. Got it. Okay. So then the next layer up is the cortex brain. That's the outer bark of our brain. And that's all about reason, logic, and learning. And that is the best part of, that is what we have in common with primates. And that's why we, not having any fangs and claws, we are, we reign supreme over other species because we are faster and better at learning. Really? Yeah, so it, at least it looks like your your uh, your one boss was on the lower level. It was just survival. Yes, know? exactly. There's, so there's survival, connection, and then there's learning. The, the learning, yes. the reason. Yes. Okay, got it. So radical innovation really is is a serendipitous result of many impl- self organizing employees learning from profuse experimentation of trial and error. Okay, so it's uh, and you say systemic. So something big is happening on the big scale. And right. Then, based off of things happening on the small scale exactly so the, yes the, so when i call what you're saying little scale that's what i call local level and yeah. then at the big level that's the global level got it so if you use simple rules at the local level and people use that profusely and fast then something magical happens at the top at the global level and that's called in the language of the complexity science is called emergence okay so talk a little bit more about what you call emergence uh, fill me in here Okay, so emergence is the is the holistic pattern where the the whole is greater than the sum of individual parts. Yeah, and that is one of that is one of the signature patterns of a complex adaptive system. Okay. So when there are many complex adaptive systems working together at the individual level, things are simple, very simple, because they're running on simple rules. But at the global level, when you execute it over time, something very complex, a very complex pattern emerges at the global level. Okay. Yeah. Give me an example of that. So, for example, so I, had a, I have a Forbes article on termites. and oh, how yeah. that I just is saw a, that. Yeah. So how that is an you know, example of a complex adaptive system. Termites, they have almost no brain as, as an individual, mm-hmm. right? But they... When you look at what is happening in the termite mound, it's extraordinary. They have a constant temperature control of 86 degrees throughout the year, day and night. And they are building the mounds in a way, in the direction that minimizes the sunlight exposure. Wow. They also draw water from 200 feet underground. And they have, um, you know, moisture control and ventilation. And when you hear the descriptions of the termite mound, you go, wow, that sounds like an you know, ancient African civilization. Wow. But it's not. It's a, it's, a, it's a termite mound. So if you can think about it, and if you imagine, how do they do that? How do they do that? You said they hardly have a brain. <laughs> exactly. But they don't have a leader. They don't have a blueprint. So how do they do that? Yeah. 
it's because they are using very simple rules and there, are, and there are many, many agents that are interdependent on each other. And so when they execute those simple rules at the local level, the magical happens. Magical thing happens at the global level. That's how they are able to create an extraordinarily complex stru- structure at the top. Wow. So give me an example of how a company does that. How a company can be more like a termite. <laughs> okay. So for example, if you look at Google, I use Google as an example a lot. Yeah. So Google has a lot of, I mean, a few simple rules that people execute profusely and then um, in a fast, which is that when you have seven people or more, then you can create the next layer. Okay. When you have, um, what's, what's another example? Um, hire the best people and get out of their way. Now, that, that's like one of their mantras, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and then what is the simple rule for ethics? Don't be evil. Oh, I've heard that one. Yeah. You know, and they, they've right. actually, that's actually led to a lot of things. They, they took down some uh, things on Google search that were inappropriate because oh, of them right. being evil. So exactly. That, something simple like that. Yeah. Okay. So simple rules serve two purposes. One is it speeds up execution because you don't have to think about every time you you run into a situation, what do I need to do? You already have a simple rule to go by that. So it it speeds up execution. And the second thing is that it provides broad parameters for many self-organizing employees. Self-organizing means they're going to have the mind of their own and they're going to go in the direction that they want to go to. So micromanaging is bad <laughs> it is bad. It bad everybody hates micromanage being right. micromanaged anyway right it's bad because it's not allowing self-organization and radical innovation happens by accident you accident. can't by it's a serendipitous result meaning you can't plan for it you so the worst thing that you can do to produce radical innovation is to produce i mean to you know to put somebody in charge of a department of radical innovation <laughs> and give them budget and then go make it happen it doesn't happen like that wow and so if it's just serendipitous mm-hmm. it just happens then then how do you make it happen <laughs> right that's why that's what my book is about yeah so how do you create a culture how do you facilitate radical innovation how do you foster it and th- to do that you have to tap into people's capacity for learning and you can't reach and take advantage of the learning part of your brain and until you feel safe first i'm talking about psychological safety not osha safety yeah well like the safety like you didn't feel safe when your boss told you exactly she had more knowledge under her yes exactly yeah. that's exactly safe. that's exactly what i'm talking about that's Got psychological it. safety right when you have psychological safety and then you feel connected as a team then you can tap into the learning part of your brain. And radical innovation happens by accident when people learn from profuse experimentation, from each iteration. So let's go further into that. Yeah. How, you, how you, what would you call it? Profuse experimentation? Uh, profuse experimentation, how that leads to okay. radical innovation. So what happens is that it's almost like a compound interest. Okay. It's like A plus one equals A prime. Right? So the result of an experiment becomes a part of input for the next iteration of experiment. Oh, this is sounding like computer programming. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly like that. So when you repeat that many, many times, because each iteration is dependent on and interdependent on the the result from the previous iteration, before you know it, it makes an exponential difference. Sure. 
And radical innovation is the result of those cumulative errors breaking forth into something unexpected. Errors. Errors. Well, errors sounds bad. Errors sounds bad. Of course, it sounds bad. But uh, when you are executing on simple rules, you are going to have. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a perfect solution. You're going to have a, a little bit of an error that's being left over. And radical innovation is those those errors keep growing and growing and growing, and it, it hits a certain inflection point. Yeah. And when it breaks forth the inflection 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 point. Then what we call a um, what in the complexity science the language of the complexity science they call it they call this self-organized criticality. Self-organized criticality. Yeah. Okay, go on. Okay, so when you hit that point, self-organized criticality explodes, and that is where actually what becomes radical innovation. So it's a, there's a phase transition that happens. That's the, when those errors cu- accumulate over time. Then it it goes through a phase transition. And that's what actually happens. Um, radical innovation is what actually happens when it goes through the phase transition. So you say there's supposed to be a lot of iterations, mm-hmm. a lot of things need to keep happening. So I, I know you've talked about trial and error <clears throat> mm-hmm. a little bit. So wh- how is that important in all of this? It's so important because so many people it, it, um, in our day, so many companies are so focused on perfection. Yeah. And there's uh, and then we hear uh, things like uh, there's no room for errors or failure. Which failure is not an option. We hear that all the time. Yeah. That is only applicable in the industrial era. We are now in a digital era where things are changing so con- so fast and so you know constantly, and you can't be perfect. What is actually what actually produces better better result is that you execute good enough. You execute a good, good enough solution, and then you iterate based on the market condition, market feedback. Okay. So instead of waiting uh, a really long time to just get it perfect the first time, you do it a few times and make a few mistakes. If you're going to do a design, I work for an engineering company. Right. Instead of waiting for years to come out with the product, you come out with little prototypes. Oh, right. make a mistake, get feedback. Come yeah. out with a prototype. Yes. Is, is that a good example? Yeah, that's absolutely the, the, a great example. That's absolutely a great example. Okay, so which involves a lot of mistakes. Exactly. Now that's why. Now you can imagine why this is so important. The 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 prerequisites of psychological safety and connection is important. Failure is part of the equation. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. Putting out perfect solution is not a practical idea anymore because things on the ground change so fast. Oh yeah. And by the time you uh, you know iterate to perfection and, and come out with a bang. Things have changed and it's not relevant anymore. Now you're then, what are you going to do? You're yeah. screwed. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're behind. Exactly. So that's why it's a lot better. You actually get to a much better result faster by per- executing imperfectly. <laughs> I keep going back to your first boss. You know, it's just, oh, you yes. just have to be perfect the first time, right. darn it. Okay, you talked about psychological safety. It looks. It seems like that's kind of important because you'll be making a lot of mistakes. Is that is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Iteration is part of the equation. That is what has to happen. Yeah. But iteration also implies you're going to fail lots and lots of times. Lots and lots of times. Yeah, yeah. lots and lots of times. And if you can imagine in, in in an environment where you're working and you don't feel safe, and you don't feel connected with the team or the boss that you're working you're working for or the team that you're part of, then you are not going to be able to 
experiment knowing that you're going to fail. You will not have the resilience. Yeah, bosses that let you make mistakes, you, you feel more free and you're probably more creative. Exactly. That's exactly right. So that's why those things are, you know, psychological, the safety and connection are prerequisites to learning and innovation. Okay, yeah, tell me some more things that are, uh, give me some stuff that you got in your book of how to have this radical innovation. Let's talk more of some of your secrets. Okay. You know, I mean, well, so I talked about the safety and connection, but there is actually a prerequisite to safety as well. Okay. So what that, that's self-management of leaders. Okay. In other literature, people call this personal, uh, personal leadership. Yeah. And in other leadership development programs or approaches, they think that personal leadership is almost an afterthought. When you have actually do, quote-unquote, real uh, leadership, um, you know, when you actually work on real leadership competencies and you have, have time or whatever left over, then you can work on your personal leadership. I don't believe that. It's because for you to be able to provide safety for other people, you have to manage yourself. If you yeah. can't manage yourself, if you can't manage your emotions and thoughts, then you are going to be unsafe for people. If you are constantly getting mad at people or getting disappointed, or if you are constantly um, too, you, you get constantly too get you, you get too excited about something, and then and you don't manage your and also if you don't manage your stress very much, those things we all have mirror neurons in our brains, and we will subconsciously pick up on those things and that we will we will actually that we will be influenced by those things from our team members so kind of uh help yourself before you're able to really help other people kind of a i don't know we don't want the biblical thing of the blind leading the blind is mm -hmm. that where we're going here well in in a simplified way yes but yeah. it's more of managing yourself managing your thoughts and and it, there are a lot of, there's a lot of skills actually involved in managing yourself better yeah give me a few um for example uh, feelings follow thoughts yeah so by choosing a positive thought you're gonna choose positive emotions that's how you manage your emotions and but most of the time people aren't aware of this automatic thoughts that are happening in the background and their, their emotions are just run by those automatic thoughts. And, and when you're not thinking about them, your emotions are just going to be automatic. Okay. Yeah, give me an example of that. For example, when you say, like, let's say um, you, you have somebody working for you and coming into your office and says, um, I don't feel fulfilled in my job. You have two choices. One is that, oh, he needs help. I need to help him. I need to figure out what's going on in his life. That's one. And then the emotion that follows is this, compassion and curiosity and, and, um, and, and empathy. Yeah. But if you interpret it that as, oh, he thinks I'm a bad boss. I'm not doing a good job. You'll be defensive probably. Exactly. You're gonna <laughs> I've get had that happen. Yes, you're I know. Gonna, yeah, you're going to get defensive. Then you're not, you're not going to be able to have compassion and empathy to explore what's going on with this person and help them. Yeah. Because you're so focused on yourself. And when you get so focused on yourself, then the next thing you're gonna, that's going to come out of your mouth is that actually this is a really good team. We have a good company. It's growing. And just hang in there. Then the person is going to come out feeling not heard. No, yeah. no issues are going to get addressed. And nothing. Definitely no radical innovation there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So, that, you know, so by managing your thoughts, you manage your emotions. And when you do that, 
um, then you create safety for the people around you. Okay, and then once you can do that, once you create safety for the people, then you can help the people feel free enough to go explore and be their own people, yeah. self-organized. Right. And they do their own thing, which is not a bad thing because you're going to have this broad boundaries, parameters within which they can self-organize. And providing that broad boundaries is a job for you as a leader. You need to do that. Yeah. And, and at the same time, unleash them so they can do their own thing, be self-organized. And so the differentiation, creating differentiation as an individual, that is respecting their boundaries and respecting every opinion that comes and that of everybody and exploring that. In fact, um, maximizing the diverse, diversity of thoughts in your team is, is a prerequisite for you to have meaningful connection, which mm-hmm. might sound ironic. But for you to have a meaningful connection, you need to have differentiated elements. Once you create this meaningful connection by combining those differentiated parts, then you can help, you can create an environment where people are learning constantly. When you're learning constantly, experiment and things like that, and radical innovation has an, and happens as an accidental resu- result. Wow. What a great accident. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, for example, if you think about how those, uh, you know, the post-it notes happened, that was an accident. They didn't mean to, you know, invent that. Oh, yeah. They were trying to develop glue that was, you know, that was glue that would stick better. But then somehow something else happened. And then it just got, and then they thought in the beginning, they thought it was total crap. They didn't think it was going to be useful. And then somebody used it on the back of a, you know, a piece of paper to stick, stick it on the wall. And then that's when they know, oh my gosh, this is, and look at uh, three and post notes, oh, yeah. post-it notes. What would my life be with <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That's a, a lot of the again, radical innovation happens out of a, you know, accidental result. You just need to create that environment. Exactly. As a leader, that's your job. Okay. So the, we have listeners from diverse backgrounds. Some are entrepreneurs. Some are just working for somebody. How could these principles of radical innovation apply to people that aren't leaders in their company? These principles are governing principles behind all living organisms. So these principles point the way for you to be happy as an individual. Yeah. So to maximize your full potential as a human being, then you need to first of all make sure that your safety needs are met. You, you feel psychologically safe and then you provide the same thing for people around you. Yeah. And then you need to connect with people. I don't care how much money you make, what kind of high, you know, lofty titles you have. If you're not connected with people, you are not going to be happy. Yeah. And even if you deny that you are okay living in an island by yourself, you're just in denial because that's <laughs> not true. We are, we are built for connection. We are wired for connection. So then think about ways that you can create connection with people um, around you, people that, that love you. And once you do that, then think about your learning needs. What am I learning and how do I experiment? And then I keep building on that uh, findings from each iteration and you keep learning and you keep growing. That's how you're going to fulfill your maximum potential to be a human, as a human being. Dr. Sunny Giles tomorrow is releasing her new book called The New Science of Radical Innovation. Dr. Sunny Giles, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out Dr. Sunny Giles' new book, The New Science of Radical Innovation, 
I put a link in the show notes that will take you to Sunny Giles' website where you can get more info on purchasing The New Science of Radical Innovation. I was privileged to receive an advanced review copy, and I also have written a review of the book, and the link for that is also in the show notes. Check it out. Next week, we'll be having an episode on the opioid epidemic. We'll be talking with Angela Ito, who is with the Utah Department of Health, and she works with people affected by the opioid epidemic, especially in overdose prevention. I'm recording the interview a few days from now, so I need you to submit your questions about the opioid problem now. And I've created a new way to be part of the conversation. If you'd like to ask a question, call 513-INFORM-YOU and leave a voicemail. Or you can text your questions to that number. That's 513-INFORM, the letter U. So 513-INFORM-YOU. Our theme music is provided by Dee Dumbo. I'm Sean Seavey, and you've been listening to Un-Uninformed. See you next week. Oh, 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 o